So we're having a little, we've talked, we've had stewardship moments in October about giving to the church. And so I thought to follow that up, if we're talking about giving to the church, we need to be clear about why we're giving to the church. What is the mission of the church? And as I look at it, as I look at Jesus' words, um, his commands about the church and what we're supposed to do that he gives his disciples before he leaves and how it talks about in Ephesians what we are to do as the church that ties in with Jesus' words. Um, I wanted to talk these next two days about what the true mission of the church is so that we are not confused. Um, So let's pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, uh, that they would be pleasing unto you and that by your Holy Spirit, each one would receive the message you have for them through these words. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm using two scriptures today um, uh, from the same author. So we're using Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 49, and the book of Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power on high. Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to, are you going, going, Lord, let me back up. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father will set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. So when we see this, Jesus is leaving on both occasions, and he sends his last commands to them, that we are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is, right? It is death, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And we are to preach that to the world. Now, we have lived in a Christian country all of our lives. Now, that's changing, as all the statistics show. And in one sense, we're kind of going back to what the early church was. Remember when the church was beginning, the world, we read the letters to the churches, and we think just in line with the church, that this communication. But the world at the time was not Christian. Uh, They were a, a, a minority group and just lived in little... Uh, clusters and just had home churches. I mean, it was very much like maybe the modern church in China right now. 
is almost maybe underground when it began. But their job was, and when you have that kind of climate, that kind of atmosphere, you can see the message to preach the gospel, how important that is. In a Christian nation, we kind of take for granted everybody knows it. Well, what this is a whole new uh, problem that we have. Then everybody starts preaching stuff, and they call it the gospel, but it's not necessarily the gospel. And so that presents a whole new problem. But as we move back, and uh, in, in the nation is less and less Christian, we're moving back to the mission of maybe what the early church was, and that is to make sure the, the world knows about who Jesus is. And not just who Jesus is, but what is the gospel? I go, I've in church meetings, not here, but in other churches, I've asked people, what's the gospel? And you would be amazed at the different responses they give. This kind of vague, churchy language. But this is the gospel. Jesus tells us what the gospel is. It is the death and resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now, you can say that in a variety of ways. But that is, that is the heart. That is the central theme of what the good news of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we read the whole Bible. We interpret the world through that. Through that. So... What do I mean? So when you look at Scripture, those that are going through the Bible in 120 days with us, we're starting to see all these references to the Messianic King that's going to be coming. And now it's, God has been telling them, if you go wayward, there's some redundancy in the Old Testament, right? God comes in, he makes covenant, he gives law, uh, they're in relationship, they love God, God loves them, and then the people begin to stray. And they begin to assimilate into culture. Um, and this happens over and over. And God warns them. He says, when you do this, I will be there. And I will be there to you return to me. I will return to you. And so that's a recurring theme. And it happens over and over and over in the, in the Old Testament. And how we understand that as Christians, the ultimate, what God is going to do to keep the covenant because God is faithful, and he's not going to let an unfaithful, rebellious people ruin or distort his nature. So the gospel is how we understand the Old Testament. We read through it, and we understand, looking through the lenses of the cross, that they can't save themselves. They can't stay in relationship with the holy God. They're rebellious. They're unfaithful. They're unrighteous. And when I say they, I mean us too. Right? We're part of the human race. We have the same human nature. And so we can't save ourselves. We can't reconcile ourselves to a pure and holy God. That's one of the big messages that we get out of the Old Testament. We can't do it. We need some help. We need a what? A Savior. And so that's God's answer to the covenant the broken covenant that we have with God. God says, I'm going to come down in the form of a person in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to become one of you. And why am I going to become one of you? Because I am going to keep the covenant. I am going to be faithful. I am going to be righteous. Remember, we have, when we talk of 
In the Bible, 120 days, when we get to Romans, we'll talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. And what, what broke, looking through the lenses of the cross, understanding all of this, what broke the covenant was a lack of faith, was a lack of trust, right? God threw down his command, his law, expressed his will, however you want to say it. It's representative of the, all, all the Old Testament in Genesis 3. And he expressed that, and the tempter came in and tempted them. Surely you won't die. Right? It wasn't so much about the tree of good and evil. It was going to unleash some problems. But the main thing he was trying to do was get them to doubt God, to break faith, to break trust with God. And that's what happened. So now the gospel, understanding that through the lenses of the gospel, we fast forward and we, understand, we see the second Adam, as Paul re- refers to him, in, the, in a what? A garden. The garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And he expresses his will. He says, I would rather not do that. Well, that's not what he said. He said, would you take this cup from me? But that's what he meant. I would rather not go through this. And here's here's the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's our way home. Here's our reconciliation with the pure and holy God. He says, I would rather not do this. Oh, no, not again. But, right? We've, We've talked. The gospel's one big but. But not my will, your will. And so in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, We put our faith in the one that is faithful and righteous. And God no longer sees our unrighteousness, but he sees Christ's righteousness. He sees Christ's faithfulness. And so we are reconciled to a pure and holy God through his uh, death and resurrection. And we are, when we confess our sins uh, and repent and put our faith in Christ, then we are forgiven. That's the gospel. And we understand when you have that as the center, we're to look at life, we're to look at the Bible, we're to look at everything through the lenses of the cross. And that is our primary, one of our primary missions as the people of God, is in word and deed, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that informs all that we are. That is our way back to God. That is, that is the good news. And I had all kinds of examples, but I feel like I would, it would get redundant if I show you all the things that how we look to Scripture from the cross. But I will say how do, that it helps us, it informs us about what we need to know at a deeper level. For instance, um, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 Jesus says, a new command I give you, that you are to love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know you are my disciples. So, wow, that's that's good. That's clear. But, But how has Jesus loved us? Oh, he gave his life for us. He sacrificed for us. He gave himself for us. So I'm informed about God, Jesus' love for us, reading that scripture that explains that scripture better because I know the gospel. 
I know what he did for me. Through his death and resurrection, he has forgiven my sins, and he has given his life, and that's how he loves me. And that leads us into our second. So first, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. And that's at the core of everything we do. Everything. Primary mission of the, gospel, of the church. Proclaim the gospel. And then second, and when we look at Acts, we are to be the witnesses to the world about what God has done for us in Christ. So with our actions, with our words, with our deeds, we are to te- be witnesses. And what does a witness do? You know, a lot of times we're like, well, I can't witness. I can't go up and just talk to people about my faith. You know, it's, it's not as scary. We, we, sometimes we want to make things scary so then we don't have to do them. Right? We just, what does a witness do? It gets up on the stand and just says, hey, this is what happened. This is what I saw. And that's all we have to do. Say, hey, this is how Jesus has made a difference in my life. That's it. You're not responsible for if that person comes to Christ or doesn't come to Christ. Or you're not responsible for the results. That's part of the message of the cross, right? We didn't do so well when we were responsible for the results. And so we're not responsible for these results. All, he didn't say, you need to go and convince people and win people for Christ. He said, be my witnesses, and I'll take care of the rest. He invites us to be a part of the process. He invites us to reach out to people, to share with people. We had a team meeting yesterday, and we heard a talk, and it was just remarkable about he was given his testimony, and his boss called him in, and he said his sales were down, and he was having some trouble in his life, but he said, oh, they're going to come talk about my sales and I'm probably going to get fired. He was all nervous because it was all about business. And he said, uh, he said his boss was named Jimmy, right? He came in and he set him down. And he says, you're not getting fired. I'm not worried about your numbers. What's going on with you? What's happening? And then he shared with him about his faith. He took him to his church. And that led him to give his life to Christ. Because this person, a priest of the priesthood of all believers was the talk, but this person witnessed to a person he saw struggling about his faith. He just told him, this is what Christ has done for me. That's all we got to do. We got to be his witnesses. We got to stand out for Christ. And not just with our words, but in our lives. We have to be different than the world. Scripture tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. But far too many Christians are in and of the world. And so they say, how is that different? How are they living? They don't seem any freer or unburdened or happier or joyful or even nicer. They just look at and they say, how is that different from the world? We have to be witness. We have to say, yeah, we're not... Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. I shared with um, the team yesterday, I said, how are we doing on that? 
How how is our witness to the world, to a deeply divided world, to a deeply divided country, we have an opportunity to be witnesses to the love of Jesus Christ, to the gospel of the good news, his death and resurrection, forgiveness of sins that brings unity and joy and love and, and to a body of believers of one kind. As it, how's the church doing? Now, understand this was a Methodist, mostly Methodist. But I, I mean, we can expand the country other churches, division within the body of Christ about denominations uh, in our own denomination, current events. How's our witness? You know what I told them? I asked them, how many here are United Methodist? About half of them raised their hand. How many here are now global United Methodist? The other half raised their hand. I think we had three independents or Baptists or something. They snuck in. Uh, And I said, you know what? I don't care what side you're on. Because Emmaus is an ecumenical movement. I said, I don't care what side you're on. I don't care if you're global. I don't care if you're United Methodist. I don't care if you're involved in the politics of all this. I don't care. But that stuff is not allowed here. If you want to be political here, this is not the walk for you. Because we're about bringing people in a closer relationship to Jesus Christ, no matter who or what you belong to in this world. And that's what we need to be as the church. That needs to be our witness. And things that are just being divided and being divided and being divided. I had a friend that used to say, you know, the devil's... Uh, battle plan is divide and conquer. I think his battle plan is in full swing. And somebody, somebody, whether it be a, a walk to a mess uh, or a church, somebody just has to slam on the brakes and say, no more. We're going to disagree about some things. I'm pretty sure I disagree with you, a lot of you, about a lot of things. And there's probably some things we agree with. We're human. And you know what? Some of those things I'm going to be right about. Probably most of them. Um, Some of them you're going to be right about. But that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are to be his witnesses in word and in deed. To show what forgiveness and grace and mercy, how it can bring people together when we're not self-righteous, when we're not judgmental, when we don't condemn. Because we know we fall short all the time. See, what the Bible preaches, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Human secularism says, hey, no, we're all good. And left to our own devices, we're going to fix this thing. Which one do you think's right? One, you have to be good. You have to be righteous. You have to be, it breeds uh, contempt, competition, self-righteousness, judgment, condemnation, because you got to lift yourself up. But if we all come in and say, hey, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We all fall short of the glory of God. That was that breed. Grace, mercy. Forgiveness. 
And that's what we're to be about. So this week, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the shortest version, Jesus gave us what that is. Death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then we, every sermon ever preached, Old Testament, New Testament, should have its foundation in that message. And then we are to witness to what that good news can do to transform us as individuals in the body of Christ. To be witnesses to what the good news of Jesus Christ can do in our lives and then in the lives of the body of believers. That is the first part of the mission of the church. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience with us. You've been dealing with humanity for a long time, and no one knows our nature better than you. Which amazes me that you still love us. Not because we're so great, not because we're faithful like we should, not because we look on others and forgive those like we've been forgiven. We fall short so much, so it's not, all, it's not about us and who we are, but your love and your grace and your mercy and your patience and your faithfulness is all about who you are. And so, Lord, we thank you for who you are and the way that you love us. Help us to love others as you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.